Easy Peeper Deeps, and uh, welcome to another Feeling Fine podcast. It's uh, actually um, Halloween, and um, so you might hear the occasional fireworks going off and all kinds of stuff going on outside. Besides that, it's quite windy, and um, and yeah, you can sometimes hear the elements in this room. Uh, how are you doing? How are you doing? Thanks for joining me, uh, whichever platform you're listening on. Uh, as you know, or as you should know by now, the usual platforms, Apple, Amazon, Google, and so on. Um, yep, thanks for joining me, and um, thank you to everyone that's been tuning in and following these podcasts so far since the beginning if you listened to my midweek podcast i mentioned that uh, i'll be shifting it from the midweek to the friday and putting out the podcast on friday instead my mini midweek podcast is going to be renamed the fine on friday podcast so anybody that's that was following me uh, earlier this year will remember that i was doing a little thing uh, on my social media called Fine on Friday. So I'm going to bring that back as a podcast instead. So you'll be able to catch up again with the Fine on Friday podcast. Uh, so last week's uh, talk was entitled I Am Not the Mind. If you didn't hear it, if you haven't listened to it yet, you can check out my uh, previous episodes on uh, my podcast listings and they're all listed up there you can go and listen again to any one of them at any time i am not the mind now this uh, week's podcast i want to call or i have called is it wise to judge is it wise to judge and judgment is one of these things that I suppose like many things uh, on the spiritual path I see as being quite uh, misinterpreted. I remember one person saying that they saw judgment as being another pair of opposites in duality and um, but the thing is with with judgment is okay with, with when we speak of duality duality is we tend to look through our conditioned minds we look at everything, uh, or rather, everything that we look at, everything that we look at, has its existence in uh, sort of between two parameters, two pairs, if you like, two pairs. And these pairs, these pairs of opposites, they kind of govern everything that we 
we perceive through our minds. And this is called duality. So as a, an example, <clears throat> we have things like high and low. We have fat and thin. We have tall and short. We have light and dark, day and night. And, you know, so many of these opposites, positive and negative, this is another one. So many of these kind of pairs that we have that sort of govern the way that we perceive reality. Now, the difference between uh, when we look at these pairs and then we look at judgment. Judgment is like saying right and wrong or good and bad. So we look at some things as being good, other things as being bad, or some things as being right, other things as being wrong. Now, with regards to these a judgment as being another pair of opposites. <coughs> the uh, the difference between a judgmental pair, as in right and wrong, and a dual pair, as in high and low, is judgment or right and wrong, for example doesn't represent anything in and of its own accord. So right or wrong don't represent anything particular in particular. But what we use or what we often use judgment for, which makes the difference, is we look at a pair of opposites like high and low and we place judgment on the opposites. So for example, it might be good to be high and bad to be low or right to be high and wrong to be low or wrong, wrong to be high and right to be low. However you, uh, you know, however each individual perceives it in their view of reality. So judgment doesn't have uh, uh, its own representation in the let's call it the law of opposites instead we use judgment to separate the opposites so that's the separation we look at one as being good and the other one as being bad or one as being right and the other one as being wrong but from one individual to the other to another we are not forced to have the same opinion about each of these opposites so one person might say, for example, um, daylight is good, nighttime is bad. Another one might say daylight is bad, nighttime is good. And this is how we all sort of perceive reality through our minds, you know, through our ego minds. This is an ego thing. This is an ego mind thing. So the ego you know, just to um, to bring this in before I go any further, the ego. The ego is, I say, the you that you think you are. 
So it's the person that you think you are. And the reason why it's the person that we think we are is because this is who we've been taught that we are. We've been taught that we are the thinking, sensing, the body and the mind. This is who we are. And in this belief, we construct an idea and an image in our minds of who we think who we think we are and this is the ego so through our ego mind we judge the way we perceive our our view of reality so some things are good some things are bad so you know just to um just to simplify this whole explanation Let's look at the pair of opposites. So like I just said, we've got all these different pairs, uh, uh, high and low, dark and light, uh, you know, so on and so on. Just to simplify them, we'll call them this and that. So this is the, this is the representation of the, the law of opposites. One is this and the other is that. And so what we do through our educated or our ego minds, we say this is good that is bad but then the flip side of it is that might be good and this might be bad so that's the way in our minds we are constantly changing uh, our judgments on different things so you know uh, again as an example of the way that we're always changing things we say it's good to have daylight for certain things, but bad for daylight for certain things. Or it's right to, you know, for example, let's look at an extreme thing like killing. It's right to kill somebody for this reason, but it's wrong to kill somebody for any other reason. You know, and this is just the way that we, between all of us as individuals, this is the way that we break down our view of reality. In, a, you know, as far as the mind's concerned, in a very scatty and chaotic way. There's no rhyme or reason, there's no form, there's no shape, there's no kind of direction. It, uh, the way that we perceive reality varies from one minute to the next. So, is it wise to judge? Now, when I, you know, I say, is it wise to judge? Because, obviously, <laughs> it wouldn't make any sense at all to say, is it right to judge? You know, is it, you know, in that sentence alone, I'm judging judgment. <laughs> and it's one of these things that kind of makes me laugh when uh, I've, I've, I've had this kind of, uh, uh, let's call it a conversation, if you like, on social media once in the past. And somebody uh, said, there is no right and wrong. But then, and I've seen this a couple of times, or, you know, one or two times, there is no right or wrong. And then, uh, but the way that they have put it across, it's as though they believe themselves to be right. <laughs> so it's like a big contradiction in terms, basically. And, you know, the reality is, the reason why 
we can say that there is no right or wrong is because from one individual to the next, what's right and what's wrong differs and varies. So like I've just said, one person might see this as being right and another person might see that as being right and so on and so forth. So there's that much variation between each individual that nobody can truly say what is right and what is wrong. And in truth, uh, as I see it, it's the whole idea of judgment of what's right and wrong is something that we've been conditioned to to believe as has a reality, you know, and it's like a religious conditioning for most of us. For most of us, when we're born, we're born into uh, a religious setting, a religious setup. You know, the hospitals that we're born in or the environments that we're born in are, uh, are religious or based in sort of have some kind of religious uh, foundation to them. Uh, and our surroundings often have religious um, sort of moral standpoints about them. And, you know, all these ideas of morals and, and so on and what's what's right and good and bad and so on. It's all derived, uh, more often than not, from uh, religious beliefs. And we, we grow up with this programming uh, of what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad. As children and infants, as through our sort of early years, we are constantly being reminded um, by our parents, by teachers and so on, that we are good children or bad children. So this idea of good and bad is kind of instilled in us from a very young age until it becomes part of our belief uh, and part of our, our own outlook. So uh, is it wise to judge? Well, the, the root of judgment the root of judgment and uh you know i've not said it yet everything that i'm saying here it's not anything i want you to believe uh by all means contemplate uh give it some thought and uh, kind of analyze it and and uh, uh you know contemplate it in your own time see if you can see where i'm coming from see if you can see where i'm i'm sort of the direction that i'm pointing you in so, is it wise to judge? Well, when you, when you look at the ego and when you look at duality, so we see everything between these two kind of parameters, between this and that. And between these two extremes, let's say this and that are the extremes. So, for example, night and day. So there's two extremes there. And then there's a process or of movement, a movement that goes from one to the other. It's a gradual process as day becomes night or night becomes day. There's a gradual movement in this changing cycle. So this is a gradual change that takes effect. And where the... So with the mind, this, this sort of dual way of looking at life. 
So we can look at it and say, well, you know, it makes our whole experience of reality and, and so on. You know, this is how we communicate. We use these extremes sort of thing to communicate with each other and, and so on. But then when we place judgments on these, on, on these opposites, to the ego, to the mind, a judgment is like, it's like a value system. It's like a value system. So when you look at infants, when you look at young children and infants, and um, obviously they don't see life in the way that adults see life. When they're very young, they haven't grasped the whole idea of what's good and bad, what's right or wrong yet. And they have this kind of air of freedom about them as as if they they are going to do as they please and then it's only their parents that obviously intervene and pull them back and stop them and then in time they begin to see life through this narrower and narrower perspective and viewpoint they begin to see themselves through this narrower and narrower viewpoint uh, and obviously judgment and and sort of self-condemnation starts to take root but but prior to all of this, when you see young infants uh, interacting with the world around them, this this freedom is because you know to a child's eyes, everything is priceless. Everything is priceless. Everything is miraculous. Everything is amazing. Everything is fantastic. Everything is beautiful. They wouldn't stick slugs and snails and mud in their mouths and all kinds of stuff like this because everything looks great. Everything looks great. Everything looks like it should taste great. <laughs> you know, to the average parent, this is the worst thing that you can see your children do. But to the child and in the child's mind, everything looks good enough to eat. So there's no concept of good and bad, right or wrong. None of that exists. Everything is just priceless, everything. But then as we get older and we start to learn all these different ideas and concepts and beliefs and stuff, then suddenly it's bad. It's wrong to put mud in your mouth or snails or whatever. <laughs> all of these things are wrong. It's wrong to do this and it's bad to do that and if you do it you're a bad child you're a naughty child and all of this kind of stuff so all of this gets imposed on us as infants as we start to develop but prior to all of this to an infant's eyes everything is priceless everything is priceless everything is miraculous everything is beautiful so the the uh, the thing with judgment is to the mind judgment is like a value system and it's like as a value system if one thing is good if this is good and that is bad there here lies your value whatever's good has great value to it whatever's bad has no value at all so we are constantly trying to get rid of what we perceive as being bad in favor of what we perceive as being good. 
But like I said before, that where this becomes kind of problematic, and this is one of the things that causes chaos in our minds, is the fact that, on the one hand, daylight is going to be good. But then on the other hand, it's going to be bad. It's like when it's raining. You know, on the one hand, most people, you know, you hear it on the weather all the time. People often say it in speaking and stuff. And, you know, at one point, I'd hear people say it, and sometimes I still do. Then they say, you know, it's miserable or something like this. Some kind of judgment against the weather. And often, you know, or sometimes I sort of, I just let it go and I don't bother. But then sometimes I will sort of neutralise it by saying, well, you know, if we didn't have rain or I'd throw something in there that, that kind of highlights the benefits of having rain. You know, and certainly in, in, in the UK, we are quite fortunate, despite the fact that most people would rather we had sun for 365 days a year. But then when you look at some of the countries that do have a lot of sun, they, they also have very extreme weather, other sort of weather conditions like rain. They have monsoons and stuff like this, or they have heavy droughts and so on and so on. So although in the UK our weather isn't always like the sunny, boiling hot paradise climate that most people would wish for, we still have a good balance of sunshine and we have a good balance of rain, sometimes more rain than others, sometimes more sun than others. Um, but a lot of people, we get the rain and people start condemning and criticising and judging the weather and so on. But then the flip side of it is the rain has great benefits. You know, if we didn't have the rain, then farming would be a problem. We wouldn't have so much crops. We wouldn't have so many vegetables that we can buy and so on and so forth. You know, we, we have great need to have rain. And the fact that we have it in such a balanced measure, more often than not, is, you know, of great benefit to us. But this is just another example where people look at the rain as being bad. But then on the other hand, we have to be grateful for the rain, for the fact that we have vegetables and fruit that we can eat and so on. And, and water, full stop. Water, full stop. So judgment to the mind is like a value system. And... And so in this value system, this is good, so this is valuable. That is bad, so that has no value. But then the things that we judge in this way, like I've just said about the rain, on the one hand, we say it's bad, it's miserable, it's blah, 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 blah. So on that, in that instance, it's bad. But then the flip side of it is we need it for so many things, for so many things, that it, it's good. It has its share of goodness as well. So this is the kind of chaotic movement within the mind. This is the value system that's, that's out of whack, basically. But then also, this whole idea, this whole value system, it's applied in so many ways. But the, the point I'm getting to here is this whole sort of sort of 
method of judgment. It overrides our kind of infant perspective of seeing everything as priceless, seeing life in its entirety as priceless. So the fact that we judge everything overrides our infant's perspective of seeing everything as priceless. And where this becomes even more problematic to us as individuals is part of that judgment, or I'll rephrase that, a great part of that judgment, the greater part of that judgment, is how we perceive ourselves. So it's like whenever we judge something, the judgment is always against ourselves first. We look at things and we judge the objects or the things, but we are, the judgment is always based on ourselves first. So whatever we see as, as bad, the comparison, comparison is against ourselves. I'm good, that's bad. So if we see something as, as good, then this is also against ourselves. And in reality, this is how the ego mind thinks. This is how the ego mind operates. It operates in this way that it sees the identity, the, the image that it has of who it thinks we are as being uh, uh, in this way, as being bad for some things and good for other things. However, the problem is, more often than not, it's bad. So when we are chasing pleasures and so on, when we chase pleasures and we're looking for things that, you know, uh, uh, to make us happy and so on, all of these things are derived from this kind of self-judgment that we are not good enough. We are not good enough, so we have to add these pleasurable things and all these so on and so forth. We have to add them to ourselves or whatever to make ourselves in some way good enough so we seek pleasures in so many different ways and in so many different things. And again, this is the root of judgment. So from the infant mind of seeing everything as priceless, we uh, subsequently lose that, that sort of outlook. We have it kind of educated out of us. And, you know, this is kind of reinforced at school. When we go to school and we're very young and, and we get asked, not only in school, but often by uh, people, many people might ask, you, ask, ask us this. And, it, and it's not a deliberate thing. It's, not a, it's, it's an unconscious thing. You know, we, we often do it. And again, you know, everything I speak of, it's from my own experience. I know these are things that I've done and said in the past. Uh, and we speak to children and so on, and we ask them what they want to be when they grow up. So in these kind of statements, what we're actually doing is reinforcing the idea that who we are as infants is not good enough. And it's only when we grow up and we decide to, um, to choose some kind of vocation in life that this dictates whether we are or we do become good enough or not. But uh, unfortunately, because the seed is already in our minds, we, are, we end up as a result constantly chasing this idea of, um, of being good, 
constantly chasing things to make ourselves into something good. Another way of, of seeing this playing out is things like fashion. You know, always chasing the latest fashions and wanting the latest gadgets and this and that and so on and so forth. All of these things which in our ego minds, these things add value to us. They, they add a kind of a value to us to make us appear to be something better than what we think or what in our minds we think we are. So this all comes right back round to the fact that this, you know, it's just a, a thought process that we have. These are just thoughts that we have in our minds that we have identified or become identified with. So they are in truth. It's nothing to do with us or who we are. These are just thoughts. And these thoughts because of the way we've been taught and the way we've learned to believe that we are basically the contents of our minds and the, um, the, the, the functioning of the body and so on. Because we've been taught to believe that this is essentially who we are, we, uh, we, we learn to see ourselves as insignificant. You know, you look at the world around you, you look towards the stars, you look in outer space, you see all these programs on TV about nature and so on and the vastness of this world. And we are left with this idea that we are nothing but a tiny little speck, which in truth, as physical beings, when you look at the, the, the universe, that's exactly what we are. We are tiny little specks. You know, while some people might stamp on and kill a load of ants or whatever to the entire universe we are smaller than an ant and this is our reality so in this respect we are minuscule we are um, very tiny little fragments in this vast scope of of the universe and this vast scope of reality and uh, and in this respect, we have no value. In the same way that we might, um, people might kill insects and uh, swat flies and stamp on ants and spiders and so on. In the same way that we have that mindset to be able to do such things, this also has, uh, it gives us a seed in our minds that it's, it, we are equally as easy to be swatted um, like the ants by something that might come along that's a lot bigger than us. So there's, you know, there's a seed of fear in there. There's a seed of fear rooted in that. And this is something, again, that we see in, in nature. You know, nature, one of the marvels of nature is the fact that when it speaks or when it growls, when it shouts, you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention. You can prepare yourself as much as you could possibly try. But if we have extreme weather conditions and it wants to take away all your belongings, even if it wants to take your life, it's going to do that. It's going to happen. And, and we have no choice but to allow it. We can try and and defend ourselves against the forces of nature but there are occasions where when it speaks and it speaks loud enough 
it's going to take everything. It's going to take everything in his path. And we've seen this on so many occasions. So, you know, maybe in a funny sort of way, fortunately for humankind, uh, nature is, is probably our biggest threat. It's not like, uh, you know, we can pretty much run from a lot of things. If there's a herd of ele elephants comes running through, the t through my house now, like Jumanji or something, then uh, I've got an opportunity or uh, there's always a chance for me to, to run, to leg it. Um, but, you know, elephants probably the, the, the biggest sort of animal threat to us. Okay, you can have tigers and lions and that kind of stuff as well. Uh, you know, and other animals that obviously you want to run from, bears. But we're not, uh, we don't see all of these things where we are in different parts of the world. But the weather, the weather can strike at any time, at any place, in, in, in anyhow, or, or nature itself. Uh, we have no say, we have no control, we have no authority. Even if it was like a, a tumbling rock that came from the skies that came through the, you know, uh, an asteroid or something. We have no say over it, we have no control. We could try and defend ourselves against these things. But this is how fickle and delicate, as a physical being, this is how fickle and delicate we actually are. And um, so, you know, this, uh, uh, the, 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 the whole point here is, when we look at judgment, we look at judgment in this way. Judgment looks at, at things, at a whole life experience saying, this is good, this is bad, this is valuable, this has no value. And in this way, we create a, a value system. But the value system that we create is, it's almost like it's given to us to replace the, the value system that we have as infants, which is basically, Everything is priceless. Everything is priceless. So once this whole new value system of judgment is given to us as a replacement, now we have no value. We don't see ourselves at this point as having value. So we spend our whole lives trying to add or increase our value. We try to get a job that pays more money. We try to get the latest gadgets, the latest cars, you know, high-tech this and, uh, and bigger houses and so on and so forth. You know, so one person or a family of three or four might live in a mansion and all of this kind of stuff. It's all part of the status. It's all symbolic for the idea of value. Uh, and, you know, one thing that uh, um, when you read some of these sort of financial papers, magazines or whatever, and they speak about certain individuals as having a net worth. So the more money you earn and the richer you become, you are kind of judged then by your net worth. So-and-so has a net worth of X million or X billion or whatever it is. So now all of a sudden, this person has become priceless because of their net worth. But then this net worth, it's a material worth, it's a material net worth. And I think there was a, a quote, I don't remember the quote exactly, but it was um, Steve Jobs, the Apple 
the man behind Apple before he passed away and he left, he, he wrote like a, a, a bit of a statement or whatever you want to call it uh, prior to his death uh, because he was sick for a while as many of you will already know. And basically, in a nutshell, what he was trying to say is he'd spent all his life chasing wealth and trying to become one of the wealthiest people in the world. And now to realise on his sickbed that he can't pay to make himself better. His money, which by all the wealth that he's got, he can't buy health. And so in a nutshell, what he was saying here is his health is or was actually his greatest wealth. And he squandered it. He squandered it. He gambled it away, chasing material wealth. So this it's, this whole value system is given to us. This whole judgment uh, idea of judgment is given to us. And you know, again, uh, I've touched on the uh, the Bible in previous podcasts. I'm sure. Uh, and again, this is something that is kind of echoed in the Bible in the first book, the book of Genesis. And I'm not going to sort of give you a Bible lecture here. This is just something that I picked up, picked up on when reading or snipping through the Bible as I have done in the past. You know, sometimes I'll get uh, something will come to me and it will remind me of something that I'm, I'm, I might be slightly aware of in the Bible. So then I'll go and have a look in the Bible. What does it say in the Bible about this? I'm sure I've seen something in the Bible or come across something or, you know, but I've never read the Bible. I've never read the Bible. I've read bits and pieces. I think I said previously that I've read the Gospel of St. John um, because of like uh, an experience that I had and so on. So I've read bits and pieces, uh, but there's something in the book of Genesis where after uh, it goes on to say that God created Adam and so on, and then Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then he obviously told Adam and Eve, don't eat from the tree of judgment. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking about this now. Again, this is, there's, I've got another analogy or, or kind of analysis, I should say, of the whole Garden of Eden sort of thing, uh, which I might share with you in another episode, in another show. But anyway, God speaking, uh, uh, sorry, uh, so in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, and God says to Adam and Eve, you can eat from any tree, eat all the fruit or whatever, you know, you've got the tree of life, the tree of eternal life, and then there's the tree of, um, the tree of knowledge of good and bad, right? So this, as I interpret this, the tree of knowledge of good and bad as being, the tree of judgment. So God's basically saying, you can eat from the tree of eternal life, but don't eat from the tree of judgment, because if you eat from the tree of judgment, you will die. So this is what it says in the Bible, worse of this effect. Uh, and so after God leaves the garden or whatever, and then Adam and Eve, obviously, and then it goes on to say that Eve saw the fruit on the tree of judgment and it looked good. So she decided to eat the fruit. She, when she ate the fruit, she gave it to Adam. Adam ate the fruit. And then they both saw themselves as naked, so they hid from God. So God comes back into the garden, and Adam and Eve are hiding. And God says, why are you hiding? Because they, they say, we, we ate from the tree of knowledge of God and evil. 
So what's actually happening here or what this story is actually saying, and, and I do look at these, these things as being stories which offer a, a sense of guidance, but it's, it's, to me it's necessary that we ignore the story to, to some extent and try to understand and see where the story is trying to point us. But what this story says to me is that the tree of judgment basically means if you, you know, the, the tree of knowledge of good and bad, I think that's what it says. And the serpent, uh, as it comes, as the story goes, the serpent says, no, you won't die if you eat from the tree. You will see everything as God sees. So they eat the fruit. And then as soon as they eat the fruit, they believe themselves to be naked, so they hide. Uh, so when God comes back and he says, uh, and he realizes they're hiding, he says, have you eaten from the tree? Of yes, we ate the fruit. So, oh, now look what you've done. And then uh, according to the Bible, like God kicks off. Um, but then how I look at this whole story is it's, it's basically like saying the moment that you commit yourself to, uh, to desire and judgment, or rather judgment which brings about the desire, the moment that we, we fall prey to this idea of reality, of looking at reality, then this is the point where the first person that gets judged is ourselves. <clears throat> so what the story is trying to say is God is everything. But then once we believe that uh, we, uh, once we believe ourselves as being separate from everything, so like I said before, the infant sees everything as priceless, everything is priceless, everything is just one thing, the whole, this whole experience is just priceless, it's miraculous. But then, at some point, the infant starts to learn to see things in a different way, and then comes this desire, mine, mine, mine. So now, all of a sudden, the infant starts to see everything as separate from itself, it starts to desire things in this way. So this is the story, basically, is like saying, once you, you start to desire everything, then this is the point where you, you no longer see yourself as enough. And the first thing, this is the first thing that you judge is yourself. I am not enough. I need this. I need this. I need this. I need all of these things to make me think of myself as being enough. You know, just before I sort of wander off this one, another interesting part about that whole story of the Garden of Eden, and I think many people that follow the Bible believe that God threw Adam and Eve out of the garden and punished them and whatever. And it says that in the Bible, I think it says that God sent Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden to till the land and all of this kind of stuff. Well, again, I look at this whole situation and it's like, well, all right, then in reality, it goes on to say that he made them clothes and then threw them out of the garden. So to me, in reality, if this was a case where God, as it says, was mad with Adam and Eve, then... 
<laughs> if I was God, I'd have said, no, I'm not making you no clothes. Get out, go out and do your work. But to me, the fact that God made them clothes meant that there was no anger there. He gave them what they needed. But then it says he sent them out of the Garden of Eden to till the land, which is basically like saying, in reality, they would have had to have done the work for the land anyway, but they wouldn't have seen it as work. It would have just been a natural thing that they would have done. But now, because they see themselves as separate from everything else, now, all of a sudden, it becomes work. And we all have this experience. If you are doing something that you really enjoy doing, you really appreciate doing, it's not work. But the moment it's something that you don't want to do and you don't like to do, it becomes work. So, okay, that's just a little uh, insight into uh, my view of the whole Garden of Eden th situation, but and uh, but also obviously how I um, reflect that on how we have our own personal experience of life. So we, at, at, as infants, we see everything as the whole. Everything is miraculous. Everything is is amazing. Is this is a, a whole new reality for us? And you see this in kids. You see this in children. You know, they just want a piece of everything. They want to touch, they want to delve, they want to, they want to search, they want to get involved. Uh, and there's, no, there's almost like there's no fear. Uh, but then as they get a bit older, they start to become more and more withdrawn and more and more cautious because they start to learn from their environment. No, no, this is good, that's bad, this is right, that's wrong. And so they start to withdraw and withdraw. And then we go through our whole schooling process with this whole process constantly playing out, constantly playing out. It's right to do this. It's right to study. It's right to sit down and shut up. It's right to behave yourself. It's right to do as you're told. It's wrong to daydream. It's wrong to do... Um, to play with your friends, it's wrong to this, it's wrong to that. All of the things that make life a, a, a joy, all of the things that we feel free to do as infants, we can no longer do. So it gets kind of uh, uh, enforced upon us to start to see life in this way until we reach the point where we're leaving school and stuff and we have been completely conditioned with this whole outlook and mindset and way of looking at life and interacting with life but more importantly of uh, a, a, a way of seeing ourselves and then we spend the rest of our lives trying to add things to ourselves to to kind of give us out give ourselves a perceived value it's almost like we are trying to recreate that outlook that we had as infants we are trying to recreate the pricelessness that we've lost from uh, our infancy we're trying to spend the rest of our lives trying to recreate it such things like um thank god it's the weekend it's friday and all of this kind of stuff which for anybody that's uh, that's unfamiliar with my fine on friday the fine on Friday isn't because I'm saying it's the weekend, purely because I'm Pete Fine and I do it on a Friday. So keep that in mind. 
if you hear me doing fine on Friday, it's not because it's Friday and I'm feeling fine. It's because I'm peak fine and I'm doing it on a Friday. But the whole thing, you know, this is like perpetuated in the raid in the media on the radio and stuff like this. It's Friday, yeah, Friday feeling, blah 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 blah, and it's all trying to continually reinforce this idea, this belief, and this concept that um, of of value, of adding value to ourselves, of making ourselves something more than the perceived idea of what we think we are and you know the more we start to see this and the more we start to acknowledge the way that this this actually plays out and like I keep saying you know look at it for yourself look at it take time to look at it you know this is something that we you know we are at this point in time where there is so much um, that's going on in the world so much that's 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 filling our minds and dominating the way that we see life, that we need to really start taking a step back. And we, we need to really start looking at life from a, a completely different perspective, because clearly the way we are looking at life isn't working. It's not working on a massive scale. On a global scale, it isn't working. And, you know, obviously if it was, then things would be changing for the better and not for the worse. So that's it for this Feeling Fine podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, follow, subscribe. You can catch me on all the usual outlets. And until next week, I'll be seeing you then. Peace.